Good morning, and welcome to Being the Change Now. Good morning, Ashwini. Hey, Jen. Good morning. Hey. Good morning. So our new assignment for this week, <clears throat> when Bang Kai held his seclusion weeks of meditation, pupils from many parts of Japan came to attend. During one of the gatherings, a pupil was caught stealing. The matter was reported to Bankai with the request that the culprit be expelled. Bankai ignored the request. Later, the pupil was caught in a similar act, and again, Bankai discarded the matter, disregarded the matter. This angered the other pupils, who drew up a petition asking for the dismissal of the thief, stating that otherwise they would leave in a body. When Bankai had read the petition, he called everyone before him. You are wise brothers, he told them. You know what is right and what is not right. You may go somewhere else to study if you wish, but this poor brother does not even know right from wrong. Who will teach him if I do not? I am going to keep him here even if all the rest of you leave. A torrent of tears cleansed the face of the brother who had stolen. All desire to steal had vanished. Like all Zen stories, this one reminds us that right and wrong are artifacts of conditioned thinking. Moral codes and standards of good behavior, by which the fantasy of authority in our heads judges us and others, simply perpetuate absolutes and opposites that don't exist. Blinded by our belief systems, we're capable of unspeakable acts of cruelty, violence, and hatred. Prejudice masquerading as morality has sanctioned brutal injustice and appalling oppression. In the name of, quote, goodness, we have legitimized behavior that desecrates our planet and violates basic human decency. Bankai demonstrates an orientation of inclusion that is possible only if we're not identified with self-hatred. There is always a perspective that is broader than me, more encompassing than my conditioning. Compassion, as Bankai embodies in this story, is a life perspective that can redeem a thief and liberate a group of equally ignorant seekers. In another version of the story, the thief not only becomes Bankai's best student, but the petitioners, after a period of confusion and debate, return to study with this extraordinary master. How much less suffering would there be in the world if we'd all received the message not to confuse authentic being with identified ego behavior. Unconditional love dissolves the ego self, transforming a thief into an ardent student of Zen. Perhaps this is the most salient aspect of the story's teaching. Suffering because we identify with karma is an inevitable aspect of, human, of a human lifetime. However, the karma is no match for unconditional love. We repeatedly experience how a small act of kindness melts our defenses, opens our heart, and dissolves the brittle hardness of an ego identification. Practice with a teacher like Bankai allows us to find the unconditional love within that, within that sees us through the inevitable trials of karmic undulations. As we saw in a recent peace quote by Pema Children, Having compassion starts and ends with having compassion for all those unwanted parts of ourselves, all those imperfections that we don't even want to look at. Compassion isn't some kind of self-improvement project or ideal that we're trying to live up to. This week, let's practice Bankai's compassionate perspective. Notice how different compassionate, how different compassionate awareness is from the point of view 
of, from the ego point of view. Notice how awareness's perception of a situation differs from that of egocentricities. Notice what is available beyond the conditioned notions of right, wrong, good, bad. Notice the qualities of compassion's expression. Is there empathy, sympathetic joy, affinity, understanding, acceptance, kinship in the absence of judgment? Notice the awareness is, ex- is affectionate, infinitely patient and understanding of a human being challenged by the human condition. Notice the experience of encountering no judgment from an other or from the Zen teacher within. Notice how that attitude of unconditional acceptance dissolves the ego completely. Notice how the ego resists any attempt at dissolution. As always, RL. All right, and let's take our first caller. Oops, hang on one sec. First caller, you're now live on the air, and would you please introduce yourself? Good morning. This is Janice in Victoria, B.C., and um, it's Thanksgiving here. And Hey, Janice. Um, happy Thanksgiving. Hi. Thank you. Yes, I just feel like I'm... Um, I'm full of abundance, uh, accepting all that abundance and seeing it. Um, I've just, I've got quite a few things, uh, but when I was hearing that being read again, I was remembering of a, a situation, and I, I'm just going to stand outside for a minute, um, where one of the first times I met Sherry, she was at a bookstore and I in Vancouver, and I told her that I had borrowed a book from the Palliative Care Library. And that book was, um, well, I had it when my dad was dying, but then my mom died close after. And so I kept that book. It just, it was that what you were seeking is causing you to seek. I'm sure I've told you this before, but um, I just needed that book. And there was a part of me that after seven years, I finally found out who the author was, and there she was coming to Vancouver. I met her, and I I felt like it was some sort of confession, like, oh, I had the book, and, you know, I I borrowed that book for seven years. I kind of felt like it was like stealing or something. And um, Mm. even though I, I found out who the book, you know, was written by, bought more books, and gave those books away... I, it was like this confession, and Sherry just leaned into me and looked me right in the eyes that she said, when I said I'd borrowed it for that long, she just said, good for you. And, and it mm. was like this unconditional love. That just, uh, 100%, I just melted because I had a whole story how I shouldn't keep this thing that was so supportive of me and, you know, all the other people who mm. would need it, all that. So mm. I just... I, I saw that um, that understanding being revealed mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's the same place that Bankai uh, came from, right? That unconditional right. love that can see the authenticity and save us, right, Janice? Because yeah. there, there you were in in need of the support, receiving it from this wisdom, love, and compassion, and it was holding you. And the voice of self-hate wanted to make you the wrong person for having borrowed the book for seven years, despite 
you giving, giving back in so many ways. And to have that perspective, that perspective that Sherry offered, which is you're not, you don't need to be forgiven for this, right? Yeah. There's nothing right. wrong with it. Yes. And it's not so much the, it's not so much the act, but the seeing you, right? Seeing the person who needed the support and who, who received it and who took it and benefited from it. Uh, it's a release when, when we are reflected in our authenticity. It's the greatest gift. Yes. Oh, truly. Yeah. Truly, yeah. yes. It's so beyond the right. It's, it's not that uh, you're lovable and I love you because you did something that met my standards. Mm-hmm. You are lovable, love and uh, loving, and uh, I love you because of you, of who you are authentically. And that, that kind of reflection is so hard to – so hard. It's not what we get from anyone who is conditioned. Yes, yes, and it and it just made everything fall away for me. Yes. Oh God, yes. It, as you said, it dissolves that identification of separation, that feeling that we're wrong, that something that we need to be forgiven to be included in humanity again. <laughs> right. Oh God, yeah. All of it falls away mm-hmm. for such a for for a transgression that you yeah. you in the in the eyes of the world paid back. I mean, uh, paid back so many times over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And what I saw this, this weekend, um, it was something that uh, when I'm listening to Sangha, I'm hearing different things of people coming together and things with family. So we, we had family here that we haven't seen, like our son, daughter-in-law, and two grand kids for two years because of COVID and it was it was a lot of arranging and organizing and then they couldn't stay at the house because of vulnerability here and and it was um it was five intense days of incredible beauty and opportunities to practice and I could see um when I have listened deeply to these calls people working with situations where they're working with close family or you know being with close family and how things can change when we are um, seeing that nothing's wrong and drop away things so and I saw I saw patterns that were that I could see in the family or patterns are from my family and um, repeated things and when I just dropped away it felt like everything else dropped away it was just a it was a really happy time and I didn't need to engage in things that I thought were just going to lead me down another direction it was mostly just come back to the present moment you know have fun um, prepare food um, you know collect what we needed to collect and you know go for walks it was just it was amazing and I really could see what people other people had been talking about even though I haven't had that opportunity to be with family for a long time I was listening about it and it Mm -hmm. dropped in how to be because of 
remembering guidance and remembering what other people were saying about their experience. So I have mm -hmm. deep gasho for that too on this mm -hmm. Thanksgiving. Okay. Yeah. Gratitude for how uh, how we are transformed in ways when we show up with a group of people who are all practicing because we lo we sort of transform by osmosis almost. Yeah. 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 It's available, and you could see the patterns, and you could drop the patterns, and just be here like last week's assignment, doing the things that are essential to do without embroidering them or coming from those patterns. And it's such a happy place. And it's so happy to be all waking up together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, waking up together. Yeah. yeah. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, Janice. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, happy Thanksgiving. And happy Thanksgiving, Jen. Thanks for joining us, Janice. That is incredibly transformative, Ashwini, that place where you know, we've got some self-hating story built up in the head, and to have compassion meet that, that I project that's the mm. torrent of tears of the thief. Just, wow, those moments are so profound. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. So profound. All right. Let's take our next caller. Next caller, you're now live on the air, and would you please introduce yourself? Good morning. It's Jodine in California. Hey, Jodine. Hey, um, I haven't been able to join live for quite some time, so it's wonderful to be back. Um, and <clears throat> what I'm seeing about um, this assignment is how, um, I think, is how, how both perspectives, like the perspective of the students who wanted to, um, to banish this thief, and then those same students would then, you know, sit and listen to this person um, as a teacher, you know, in another version of the story. Um, and just how that flip kind of back and forth between identification and disidentification is, is like always available to me through practice. Yeah, yeah. It is, isn't it, Jodine, that, that we're not banished because we, we come from conditioning. <laughs> the compassion extends to us regardless of our behavior because there's no confusion that, uh, there's no confusion about your authenticity. The, the practice is always welcoming as we oscillate between those two places, right? We come, we act from our conditioned beliefs. It's reflected that we're identified compassionately. It's not you're wrong or there's something wrong with you. It's would you want to look at this because perhaps it's not coming from conscious awareness. And then we look at it and we could drop out of it and come back to uh, presence without any self-hate in the process. And it's how it's the, it's the story that uh, Janice was, was telling us about Sherry and that that always welcoming, always loving, always reflecting your authenticity is what causes the transformation. It makes the dropping of the ego something we choose willingly. Right. Yes, and the, um, I think before practice, um, for me, there was, there was a lot of confusion in these certain moments, like, like when Bankai read the 
the um, riot act to the um, <clears throat> to the practitioners um, who brought him the petition. Um, like it, it can be so confusing that like I don't have to hold on to that conditioned perspective. I can just let it go. But then I'd be doing something like completely opposite of what I was just doing, you know, like, but now I don't have any confusion about that anymore. Um, like, yes. and the, just a piece of the content for me is that yesterday was my 11th wedding anniversary. And, um, and coming up to that, I was, I usually have, like, give my husband a small gift um, to, to um, <clears throat> celebrate that anniversary. And I had chosen something that this time that I knew would just like melt his heart. Um, and, and I was just waiting, you know, I was just like waiting with eager anticipation to, you know, put it at his place at the table. And, um, and then shortly before our anniversary came, we got into this huge argument, like a big argument where we both got identified. And, um, and I was like storming around. I was really, really mad, um, like throwing things. And um, luckily I had my recorder in my pocket. But, um, but there, was this, there was this voice of like, oh, you're going to send that gift back. He's not getting that gift now, right? Mm. And, um, uh, and anyway, I, 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 you know, I sat down and I did the practice. I, I recorded this person who was so angry, and it's about a seven-minute recording, um, but at the end of it, it was like, it was just so clear. You know, at the end of it, I was disidentified, like magic almost. Yes, it is, it is completely, uh, I think this is what you were, you were pointing at, Jodine, which is the clarity that we um, we include ourselves in the compassion is that we oscillate between the place of identification and the place of disidentification and we don't yeah. have to be used by what is going on it, that's all that's going on I, either I'm identified or I'm disidentified and the experience of identification you can feel a tremendous amount of hate right upset I don't yes. like this person. I feel separate from them. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to... I mean, you, you can't. It's just amazing that a few minutes ago, or uh, here you are, creating the gift that would melt the person's heart. Those, how can I contain both those in me, right? It's just yeah. confusing. But the confusion dissipates when we come to a practice of awareness and recognize that one state is identification and the other state is disidentification, and we oscillate between the two, and there are two, they are two different experiences. Yes, and, and also, like, one is real and one is an illusion. Yeah. Yes. It, one is an illusion that masquerades as feeling very real, which is the source of yes. our confusion. It, it's yes. hard to say that's an illusion when I'm in the middle of it because I'm just a violent storm of, of sensations. Yes, and it's just, it's just incredible how, um, well, how thankful I am that, um, that I have the practice, but also that, that my husband has the practice in, in a way, like he's totally able to 
go to these places with me and like even says like maybe you need to talk to your recorder for a while. Um, <laughs> but but we made an agreement that we were going to sit down this week and look at the finances, which is probably the root of our disagreement about this big thing. Um, that we're just going to sit down and look at our finances and decide how we're going to, you know, do this thing. And um, yeah. and it was just like, okay, the, you know, mischief managed, you know. Yes, yes, exactly, mischief managed. And it's a very, um, that's a very sort of uh, important training, right, Jodine, where you, we, um, I, there's a, there's a thing that Sherry often talks about her teacher who would say, when you want to talk to the Roshi, ask to speak to the Roshi. Because you don't know who will show up if you don't summon who you are looking to address, right, and to interact with. That's bring, bringing a level of consciousness to the interaction. It's who am I going to be in this difficult place? What is the role that I'm being called to play? And to be that constant and to have that level of consciousness to make sure that I want to bring my best facilitator self to this interaction. That I want I want to construct it, the structure of it, to be as present and loving as we possibly can be, because it is a place where if ego takes over, it's likely to cause a level of damage and hurt that is not my intention in this relationship that is important to me. Oh, thank you for that. Yeah, I love that. Um, ask, ask to speak to the Roshi. Yeah, so ask to speak to the most centered practitioner or ask, for, uh, ask your husband to be who he, who he can be in the situation. And we construct it in order for it to be the most compassionate interaction possible. We're, we're creating that boundary where ego doesn't come in, right? So how would, that, how, would that, how would I be most supported we can ask for rather than just be whipped around by our identifications? Yes, wonderful. I mean, just things that before practice I couldn't even conceive of. So yes. thank you so much, and thank you, practice. Thanks, Jodine. Thanks for joining us, Jodine. And let me just find Jodine. There she is in the queue. And Ashwini, let's take our next caller. The next caller, you're now live on the air, and would you please introduce yourself? Hi, this is Vanessa in North Carolina. Hey, Vanessa. Hey, Ashwini. Um, let's see. Um, well, I saw something yesterday um, about the the story. Um, let's see if I can explain it. Um, I guess it so it was something along the lines that in the um let's see so in um Benkai's first response was to do nothing and mm-hmm. or so sort of do nothing but that was um and I guess what I saw was that there was um or there is a teaching in that as well 
but that everybody was, um, you know, the, the thief and the students were too identified to, to see it, to receive that, that sort of first teaching. And um, what I kind of saw about that was that there's times, like when I'm identified or when, you know, when I'm believing that something is wrong, there's a belief that, you know, um, ego says, well, we have to figure this out. You know, this needs to be fixed or whatever. But there can be faith that, in fact, there is a, I don't know, how, I, I don't know if it's the right word, but like there is a teaching there to be um, seen or experienced or maybe just the thing that's most compassionate for all is there, but I'm looking in the wrong place. Because I'm identified. Mm. Yes. Oh, that's such a beautiful insight, uh, Vanessa. That that the first two times, Bankai did nothing, and there's actually a teaching in that, which of course, when we're identified, we don't see. But I project, and I think this is what you're looking at, where the, there is the, there is a reason. I mean, that's a strong word to use because it it uh, it suggests cause where I'm not suggesting cause. But an identification, there's much to learn in your identification, right? There's self-acceptance, there's acceptance of who you are, of the oscillation, of the confusion. There's so much that can be learned. If somebody doesn't rush in and say, well, you're wrong, you, you know, or I have to fix this situation, or I have to fix you, or any of those things, there's compassion in letting people have their experience, right? And it's the compassion that mm-hmm. you can have for in the first identification. I am mad. I need to process through this energy. I need to be with myself. I need to have this experience and not hate myself at the end of it and realize that, what that what's going on is simply identification and nothing about me. And so there's a way of letting that unfold that is, uh, that's powerful. Did I lose you, Vanessa? No, no, I'm here. I'm just seeing it in, um, yeah, in it just in a slightly different way. Um, yeah, that in the right, yes, and in letting it unfold, that is being, and you kind of have to be disidentified from it to just let it unfold. Yeah, or if uh, I'm or understanding point, correctly, or, or what you're pointing out, we don't, right? We, 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 we. There are times when uh, I think what you're pointing to is Bangka is able to hold even the identification of the thief and the student in compassion. There's nothing wrong, right? Even in that, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I guess what, and maybe we're saying the same thing. I guess what I was looking at was the students um, didn't have faith in the in their teacher, so they weren't mm. recognizing his teacher when he made no response, or they thought he wasn't responding. Like there is no such thing really as no response. There is a response and a no response. 
And so what I was saying to, even though I'm lost in conditioning, or what I thought I was saying was, even though I'm lost in conditioning, or I'm completely identified, and it feels like I have to make this right and figure this out, there is a, there is a response out there if I can receive it that is coming from life or that is not. Anyway, <laughs> maybe. Did I lose you now? Seems like I did. I can hear you, Vanessa. Let me see if we lost Ashwini. Hang on, I think we might have. One sec. Ah, okay. Hang on one sec. Let me find her. She should be back. Oh, there you are, Ashwini. All right. There we go. Sorry about that, Vanessa. The call dropped, so could you say what you said again? My apologies. <laughs> That's okay. Um, I, I, I guess what I would... That the, the, the teacher, that the students didn't have faith in the teacher. They could not see the teaching, and then I lost you. Right, and that... And that um, Let's see, that, that there is that kind of like, I guess sometimes when I'm identified, it feels like everything is on me and I have to figure this out. And maybe this is just what you were saying, that there's a level of acceptance um, of what I'm going through and the identification. But if I can know that, I guess maybe, you know, that I am actually held in compassion, even though it seems like there's no response, like that's what the students thought at first that Venkai had had actually not given a response to their mm-hmm. their um, things mm-hmm. that there is one that there is yeah. one and that in yeah. coming out of that identification I guess the most compassionate thing or compassion or whatever it is is going to be revealed. Mm. Yes, I, I we were just talking about this uh, at group yesterday that in the midst of the identification, it doesn't feel that the compassion is there. But there's a growing awareness that the compassion is there no matter what, even if it doesn't feel like it is. Yeah. And the fact, and when I come out of the identification, I see the compassion there. I see the compassion that's always there. It, it's the same thing as the story, that story where uh, the person tells Jesus or God, that my most difficult times when we're walking along the beach, there was only one set of footsteps. Why have you forsaken me in my most difficult times? And the answer is, no, I'm carrying you. Right. Yeah. 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 And, there's a, and I there's love a what you said. Like, Go ahead. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, that, that, and that, that recognition said, grows. The recognition grows that when I feel alone, when I feel isolated, when I feel forsaken, when I feel it up to me, then there's that growing faith that even though that's how I feel, that's not true. And even if I can't feel the unconditional love and the compassion, it never forsakes me even if I feel that way. And so there's a way in which Mm -hmm. I can go through anything because I know at the other side of it, I'm going to greet it or it's going to greet me. But it's never going to leave. Me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Thank you. 
Thanks, Vanessa. Yep. Thanks Gosh, for yeah. joining us, Vanessa. Gosh, oh. um, yeah, that's such that's such a beautiful exploration, Ashwini. That place of as we really have as we have more and more experiences of that trust, that faith of the unfolding, and that that all of it's held in compassion. That what I really heard in that conversation was so. Then when there's that, I mean, this is so clearly wrong, right? This guy's is stealing things and we bring it to the teacher and the teacher does nothing, quote, nothing, then there, over time, there comes to be a calibration of mm, just being with that and getting that, as, as Vanessa was pointing at, there's a teaching in here, even with that, with that, quote, nothing, that no response. There's something in here and we begin to calibrate to all of it and see so much more deeply than was available, you know, previously. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. So Thanks thank again. you, Ashwini. And thank you, everyone. Go happy. Go happy. <laughs> <laughs>